Just under one month ago, November 9th, 2019, runners from around the state of New Mexico converged to the same place at the same time for the same purpose, which is the 5A High School Cross Country New Mexico Championship. All these runners lined up on the, on the line, and, and they had uh, in their shoe embedded a chip, a computer chip, that would tell them how fast they ran the race, but more importantly, who won the race, who was first place, second place, third place, and so on. So all these runners line up on the starting point. The gun goes up, the gun goes off, and then boom, they're off to the races. All these dozens of runners trying to fight for the first place position in the state championship for cross country. It's a three-mile race. They go the first mile, the second mile, and as they're approaching the end of the race in the third mile, there's two runners that are neck and neck competing with each other. A guy named Jarek from Clovis High School down south, and another guy that's local, Tristan from Piedra Vista High School right here in Farmington, New Mexico. Here's a picture of these two guys. <laughs> Never before has Piedra Vista won the cross-country championship. Never had they had the first place before. But, but this guy, Tristan, is fighting neck and neck for this, this, uh, this award for first place in this race. Clovis was slightly ahead of him in the final three yards. But then in the final three yards, PV pushes ahead, and Tristan beats him by five one-hundredths of one second. How awesome is that? So everybody's congratulating Tristan from PV. Hey, man, you did it. You're the first one from PV ever to win this. Nobody's ever done this before from this high school. So people are congratulating the coach, the parents, the team. Everybody's congratulating him until the computer results were released. The computer results came out, and according to the chip inside their shoes, the kid from Clovis had actually beaten the PV kid instead. And so the kid that thought he was second place actually gets first place. The kid from PV, who thought he was first place, wound up getting second place. They wound up giving the award, first place award, to the kid from Clovis. They wound up giving the second place award to the kid from PV. And it wasn't until hours later that they were driving home on the bus, all the kids from PV heading back to Farmington. Hours later, they see a video that begins to circulate. Somebody on their cell phone had recorded video footage of the final stretch of the race. And in that video footage, it was very clear Tristan from PV had actually won the race. Turns out there was a glitch in the computer system and the chips had somehow malfunctioned. And so the kid from PV was like, I, I won the race. I've got video footage. So the coach was like, he's won the race. The parents, the team, everybody was like, he actually, the P PV kid won the race. But the NMAA, the New Mexico Athletics Association, Association has a rule that says you can only contest the results of the race within 10 minutes after the race. <laughs> it's been several hours since then. So they try to contest it and they can't. It's against the rules. So it is what it is. PV got second, Clovis got first. So they just had to deal with it based on that rule from the NMAA until the kid from Clovis saw the same video footage. He was heading back home as well. The same video footage begins to circulate. He watches the video from that cell phone and he realizes he didn't actually win this race. So he goes to his coach and says, Coach, I don't feel comfortable. I didn't win the race. The rightful winner of the race is the kid from PV. So he said, I want to give back my medal. <laughs> yeah. So he relinquishes his medal and gives it to, to, to get to, to Tristan from PV. In fact, this coming Friday at Piedra Vista High School, the entire school is having an assembly to, to have a ceremony to honor Tristan, who is the rightful star, the rightful winner of the 5A Cross Country New Mexico Championship for Cross Country. He's going to get his first place award after all. How awesome is that? Now, here's the question. Here's the question I have for you. Who's the star of the story I just told you? 
<laughs> the PV kid won the race. He won it. There was a malfunction with the chip, so he won the race, and he's going to get his medal this coming Friday at PV in a ceremony. So, so he's the rightful star and the winner of the medal, but what about the other kid from Clovis? He gave up his medal. He did the right thing. In fact, the NMAA found out about this, and of course, they're like, well, it was against the rules, but he can do whatever he wants, so they awarded him a $1,000 scholarship because he was competing with class. How cool is that? So perhaps, maybe, both of them are the star of the story. Now today we start a brand new series called The Star, and this series is going to lead us right up until Christmas Eve. But here's the question that I want to ask you this morning. Who is the star of Christmas? Now perhaps you're thinking, well, this is an obvious question, Matt. The star of Christmas is Christ. The star of Christmas is Jesus. And if that's what you're thinking right now, then you would be correct. <laughs> the star of Christmas is Jesus. The whole reason we celebrate Christmas is all about Jesus, the Messiah who came. That's the purpose of, of Christmas. It's not gifts, and it's not presents. It's not lights. It's not all the hubbub of Christmas. It's not Black Friday, which, by the way, did you know for Black Friday, it broke all sorts of awards and records for Black Friday, this most recent one. In fact, on Amazon.com, they released their, their statistics. They were doing, at the height of their business on Black Friday, $11 million every 60 seconds. How crazy is that? So far, I've been speaking for five minutes this morning. They would have made almost 50 to $60 million in the time that I've been out here on stage talking this morning. That is a lot of money and revenue flowing through Amazon.com. It made national news. You know what else made national news? Albuquerque, New Mexico. There was a fight on the west side of Walmart. The people literally got into a fist fight over one TV, and it made national news. Of course, crime from Albuquerque makes national news. That's what we're known for. That's not the purpose of Christmas, however, is it? Fights over TV. That's not the purpose of Christmas. Black Friday revenue and Amazon.com. That's not the purpose of Christmas. It's not the gifts. It's not the eggnog. I love me some eggnog. But it's not the point of Christmas. The reason we celebrate Christmas is because of Jesus. The reason we celebrate Christmas is because of the Christ who showed up as the Messiah. Now that being said, 2,000 years ago, before Jesus was actually born, perhaps not everybody knew that Jesus would be the star of the show. There was many people that were a part of the Christmas story that didn't realize the significance of what was about to happen with the arrival of Jesus as the Messiah. So some of these people, perhaps as they see God working and moving in significant ways, perhaps some of them were thinking, wow, I'm the star of the show. Look at how God is using me. Look at how God is, is impacting my life and impacting the lives of other people. Perhaps I'm the star of the show. Little do they know that the real star of Jesus was on his way in the little town of Bethlehem. If we look at the, the lineage, the family tree of Jesus, we see a lot of people who could have claimed and could have thought that they were the star of the, sh of the show. If you look at uh, uh, Matthew chapter 1, that's where we see the genealogy of Jesus. Let me read from it. You don't have to turn there right now. Let me just read you a couple verses. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. Verse 2, Matthew 1 verse 2. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Now I'm going to stop there because I don't want to put you to sleep for, for the rest of the time as I would read through all the genealogy. But Isaac had a son who had a son who had a son who had a son. 14 generations later, Jesus is born. Here's where Jesus is born, Matthew 1 16. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus who is called the Messiah. Now, there's, there's 14 generations from Abraham all the way leading up to Jesus' birth, 14 generations. Now, in hindsight, when those people in that family tree realized Jesus is coming out of my family tree, perhaps any one of them in the 14 generations could have said, 
I'm kind of a big deal. Because if you were to pull out any one person from the family tree, then the next family wouldn't come, and the next family, and Jesus perhaps never would have been born. Now, God, I'm sure, had another way. He could have, could have had Jesus the Messiah show up through another family tree. But if you just look at history, if you take out any one of those characters in, in the, the 14 generations, perhaps Jesus never would have showed up. Perhaps he never would have been born in that little town of Bethlehem. And so perhaps any one of these people in the family tree could have had a big ego, or they could have had a big head, but perhaps nobody more so than the first guy listed in the genealogy in the family tree, which was Abraham. So today, this morning, we're going to look at the story of Abraham as it relates to the Christmas story. If you do have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 17, the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 17. As you turn there, let me catch you up to speed as far as what we're going to be talking about. Abraham was a, was a guy who loved God. He was married to a woman named Sarah. She loved God too. Now, both of them were getting up in age, but Abraham was getting super duper old, like super old, like 40. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm about to turn 40, so I can, I can insult people who are always older than me. But he was turning much older than that. He was turning two and a half 40s. He was almost 100 years old. Like, Abraham was like, old, old. I don't think there's anybody that's approaching that same age, either, either, either here or in the live stream. He was so old that if he were to walk into an antique store, they'd probably keep him. <laughs> he was so old that the candles on his birthday cake were probably more expensive than the cake itself. <laughs> Abraham was so old. I only have a couple more of these. He was so old <laughs> that Abraham's birthstone was probably lava. <laughs> This, is, this was my favorite, this last one. He was so old that when he was born, when Abraham was born, the Dead Sea was just getting sick. <laughs> Did he... <laughs> Some of you are going to be like, I don't get it. I don't... Oh, the Dead Sea died. Yeah, I guess... Okay. <laughs> anyway, Abraham, he was getting super duper old. He was getting really, really old. But all throughout his 40s, he wanted a son. Throughout his 50s, he wanted a son. His 60s, his 70s, his 80s, he, he wanted a son. He kept going to God, God, give me a son, give me a child. I want a family tree, but it's not happening. It wasn't until he was 99 years old, God comes to him and says, hey, guess what? Abraham, I got a surprise for you. And Abraham was like, what? And God says, you're about to have a son. Your wife, Sarah, is pregnant. When you turn 100 years old, you're going to have a son. And here, here's how Abraham responds to this news. Genesis chapter 17, verse 17. God just told him you're about to have a son. Here's what Abraham does. Verse 17, Abraham fell face down and what? He laughed. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? He, he LOL'd. He laughed out loud at God when he said he was going to have a son. So after he laughs, God responds to Abraham in verse 19. Then God said, Yes, your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. You know what Isaac means in Hebrew? It means laughter. God said, okay, you want to laugh, Abraham? Fine, you can laugh. Name your kid laughter if that's what you're going to do. If you, want to, if you want to laugh at it. But let's be clear. Let's be clear that the fact that Abraham was having a son was no laughing matter. This has been something that, that Abraham and Sarah had been hoping and praying for for decades. 
They had been hoping and praying and hoping and praying and hoping and praying and hoping and praying and hoping and praying that someday maybe God would give me a son. And in fact, decades earlier, when he was in his early 80s or so, God said to him, you're going to have a son, but it was year after year after year, waiting decades. So finally, when when God says, hey, you're going to have a son, perhaps he laughed because he thought thought God was kidding. But this was no laughing matter. This is exactly what he had longed for. This is what Abraham and Sarah had wanted so desperately and so badly. What perhaps was laughing or laughable was what happened next. Because they had been in this test for decades, waiting and hoping and hoping and praying for a son. And finally, God says, okay, finally, you're going to be blessed with a son. You're to call him Isaac. But then right after that, we see in Genesis 22, a couple chapters after Isaac is born, we see once again, follow along with me, sometime later after Isaac is born, God tested Abraham again. Now, let me talk about that word testing for a second. When, when you and I perhaps went through school, when you were in high school or maybe when you were in college, you knew when a test was coming up. You knew when a final exam was coming up. You knew more or less what was going to be on the test so you could prepare, you could be studying, you could be ready for the test. Now, some of you didn't prepare, you didn't study, you weren't, you weren't ready for it, and that's a whole different sermon altogether. But, but you knew that a test was going to be coming on a certain day on the calendar. So you knew how to study. Perhaps there was pop quizzes that every once in a while your teacher or your professor would give to you. But for the most part, tests, you knew when they were coming and what they were about. But that's not how God oftentimes tests his people. When it comes time for God to test his people, oftentimes you don't know when that's going to happen. You don't know why it's going to happen. You don't even know what the test is going to be about. What you don't know is that when the test is going to come and what it's going to be about, what you can be sure of, however, is that God will test you. In fact, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. God will test and God will bless. God will test and God will bless. God will test and God will bless. He will test you. You may not know when or where or how or what the purpose is, but what you can be certain of, as as certain as the sun is going to rise and the sun is going to set, you can be certain that God is going to test you. Now, perhaps you're like me. Perhaps you're like, God, I don't want the testing. (laughs) I just want the blessing. I don't want the test. I just want to be blessed, God. So forget the the agony, the pain, the patience. Forget all that stuff in the test. Just give me the present. Just give me the gift. Just give me the hookup. That's all I want. That's all I'm interested in. Perhaps you're like that as well, but that's not how it always goes down, is it? Look at the story of Abraham. Abraham has the blessing of a son that he'd been hoping and praying for for decades, but leading up to that, that was certainly a test. I've had many conversations with couples who struggle with infertility. In fact, both of my sisters struggled with infertility. They they agonized for years. We wish we could have a kid. We wish we would have a child, but there's no child. And then in the end, several years later, one sister still has no children. The other sister has seven. You could put that on a school bus. I don't know why God blesses some people in different ways. I I don't understand it. All I know is that when it comes to infertility, oftentimes that's a significant test. The pain is real for couples. The tears are real. The hurt is real. And here's, here's what I don't understand. This is why I don't understand abortion, to be honest. Because over here you have a couple that desperately wants a child. I would pay anything, give anything, go anywhere. I would do anything for a child. And then over here you have another perhaps young couple. And they find out they're pregnant with an unwanted child from an unwanted pregnancy. And, and I get the circumstances oftentimes that, that surround this. You know, oftentimes with an unexpected child, there's unexpected finances and, and costs and bills. And I get that. 
I also understand that when a young girl gets pregnant, when there's a mother and there's a father, perhaps if they're not married, there's embarrassment or shame and they don't want people to know about it. I get that. I understand that. I understand the, the, the circumstances that can make it undesirable for a child. Here's what I don't get. What I, what I don't get is that when there's a couple over here that said, I will do anything, I'll go anywhere, pay anything, pay any amount, or give up everything that I have for a child, and then this couple over here says, we have a child that we don't want. This is what I don't understand, that not only do they say, well, we know you exist as a couple, we know that you want a child, but we're not only going to not give you this child that I don't want, we're going to dispose of this child. That I don't understand. I don't get it. Abraham and Sarah, year after year, decade after decade, they're hoping and praying and hoping and praying and hoping and praying, and the pain is real. They desperately want a child. And after decades of a trial, boom, finally God says, I'm going to give you a blessing. And you would think that God would be like, okay, you've had enough testing. <laughs> now you just get to enjoy the blessing. But then Genesis 22, like we just read, God tested Abraham again? What in the world? Let's, let's dig in a little bit deeper and figure out what's going on. Genesis 22, verse 1 and 2. This is what we just read. Sometime later, after Isaac was born, God tested Abraham. God said to Abraham, Abraham. Abraham replied, here I am. Verse 2, then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him. There is a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Now, if this was me, if I was Abraham, I would have tuned God out after he said, sacrifice him. Everything else that he said would have been like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> you lost me after the sacrifice. God, so you're telling me that after decades of waiting, you finally hooked me up with the blessing. Finally, after years and years of waiting and being patient and trusting you, now you want me to burn my kid at the stake? Are you kidding me, God? Have you lost your mind? Have you lost your marbles, God? Well, what in the world are you thinking? This doesn't make any sense. That's perhaps what I would have said if I was Abraham. But Abraham doesn't say any of those things. He, at least it's not recorded in Scripture. What instead he chooses to do, he chooses to obey God. God said, I want you to sacrifice your son. I want you to burn him on an altar. Look at what happens next. Verse 3, Genesis 22, 3. Abraham, early the next morning, he got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, I can't imagine burning my own kid at the stake. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. Verse 4, on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place that God told him to go to in the distance. Now, don't let that third day part of this verse pass you by. It wasn't like God came to Abraham one day and said, hey, I want you to kill your son. I want you to kill Isaac. Just kidding. He didn't say that. One day passed, two day passed on the third day. For three days, Abraham's been thinking, I've got to kill my own son. My only son that I've been waiting decades for. I've got to kill him. I've got to burn him at the altar. For three days, he was thinking those things. Verse 5, Genesis 22, 5. Abraham said to his servants, when they got, they got to this place, he said, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Worship, a.k.a. I'm going to burn my kid. Verse 6. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. In other words, he's loading up his son Isaac. Hey, carry this firewood. <laughs> and he himself, Abraham carried the fire and the knife. I don't know if he had a butane lighter or what, but he, he's got the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went together, verse 7, Isaac spoke up to his father and he said, Father, Abraham said, yes, my son. Isaac said, the fire and the wood are here, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? <laughs> Awkward. You're the lamb. 
you're, but he doesn't want to say that. You know, Abraham doesn't, he wants to be politically correct, I guess. And so verse, verse 8, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them continued walking together. <laughs> nice way of dodging the question. Isaac's carrying the wood. They get up to the, the, top, the top part of the mountain on, on Mount Moriah, and they get up to there. Verse 9, when they reached the place that God told them about, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it, and he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now, what Scripture doesn't say is, how's Isaac responding during this? <laughs> He, is, he, is he kicking? Is he screaming? Is he cursing at dad? Dad, what are you doing? You're binding me up? You're going to put me on the altar? Does he say any of those things? Does he casually lay down on the altar? Okay, okay, dad, I trust you. Or is he perhaps like that scene from Home Alone where Harry and Marv, like remember the part where like Marv has the, like, the tarantula on his chest and he's like, Marv, Harry, and he's about to hit him with the crowbar. Harry, Harry, and then he hits him with the crowbar. Is it perhaps like that? <laughs> Is Isaac laying there? He's like, Dad, Dad, Father, Father Abraham, what, what are you doing, Dad? What was it like? What we don't know is, is what was he thinking during that moment. But then verse 10, Genesis 22, verse 10, Abraham reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. Now at this point, again, we don't know what Isaac is thinking or saying, but I'm guessing at this point he's probably now saying, Dad, Dad, I think you've gone a little crazy. You're, you're really about to kill me? Have you lost your mind? You're about to slay your one and only son? Are, are you nuts, Dad? And I'm sure the same things are running through Abraham's mind to God. God, are you serious right now? You want me to kill my only son, this son that I've been waiting for, this gift, this blessing? You want me to take his life? You want me to slay him, my one and only son? Nuts. Are you nuts, God? Are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? I'm guessing those thoughts are running through their minds. But right in the heat of the moment, right when he's about to kill his son, an angel of God intervenes. Verse 11, the angel of the Lord called out to, to Abraham from heaven. Abraham, Abraham. Abraham replied, here I am. <laughs> Knife in the air. Verse 12, the angel said, do not land a, lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear the Lord because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Verse 13, Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, took the ram, and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Remember the verse I just read a few minutes ago, verse 8, when Isaac's carrying the wood up the mountain? Dad, I see the fire, I see the wood, but where's the lamb? Remember what Abraham said? He said, God will provide. Even Abraham didn't know God was going to provide in a different way. Even he didn't know that God actually had a different plan that wasn't sacrificing Isaac. But when God provided, then the very next verse, verse uh, 14 Abraham called that place, he named that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Verse 15, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, Abraham, and have not withheld your son, your only son, verse 17, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, Abraham, all nations, on earth will be blessed. Why? Because you have obeyed me. Let's read verse 18 one more time because this is significant. He says to Abraham, God says to Abraham, through your offspring, all nations will be blessed on earth. Why? Because you have obeyed me. What we just talked about a few moments ago in the fill in the blanks was God will test and God will bless. God will test and God will bless. But now we see this correlation between the two. God will test you and he will bless you if you pass the test. 
And if you pass the test, not only will you be blessed, but other people around you will be blessed as well. God tells Abraham, because you passed this test, nations, generations will be blessed because you passed the test. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Others will be blessed when you pass the test. Others will be blessed when you pass the test. When you obey God, other people are blessed. When you're trusting God, other people will be blessed. When you honor God, other people will be blessed as a result. And what you need to realize is that this whole testing and blessing thing, it's a cycle. You're not just randomly tested by God here and there. There's a testing and there's a blessing. And then there's a testing and there's a blessing. And there's this cycle that goes through our lives. We're either in a testing phase or in a blessing phase. But God will test and God will bless. And when we pass the test, we will be blessed. Others will be blessed, blessed, but what you need to remember is that we're in a cycle. If God's not testing you right now, perhaps he's blessing you right now, but if he's blessing you right now, perhaps it's leading to a testing. Because, excuse me, because there's a cycle, a circle, that means that perhaps one of you, perhaps all of you are in one category or the other right now. Perhaps you're in a season right now where you feel blessed. You got the car, you got the girl, you got the kids, you got the white picket fence, you got all the stuff, you got the income, you got all the things. You, you feel very blessed right now, very fortunate right now. Truth be told is, you are blessed. And perhaps, perhaps that's where you're at. That's the season, that's the phase that you're in. And if that's you right now, feel fortunate, feel thankful, be grateful, be glad, and give praise to the God who gives all good things to his people. Perhaps that's the phase that you're in right now. Perhaps you're on the other side of this cycle. Maybe you. Maybe right now you're in a test. And if you're honest, you're frustrated. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're starting to lose your faith and your trust in God. Maybe during this test, it's a struggle for you. What we know of is that God will test and God will bless. And the two, there's, a, there's something that contains the two of those things. When you, plus, when you pass the test, God will bless you. So the question that perhaps you're wondering is, if I'm in a test right now, how do I pass the test? If I'm going to be blessed because of this, if other people are going to be blessed because of this, then how in the world do I pass the test? Well, I'm glad you asked the question. If you're taking notes, you can write down the answer to that. Here's the answer key to this entire sermon. The answer key, that's the, that's the title of the, today's message, is the answer key. You want the answer key to God's testing in your life? Here it is. You can write it down. If you're not taking notes, write it down anyways. Write it down in your hand. If the person next to you is not writing down anything, write it on their forehead backwards so they can read it in the mirror later on. Here's the answer key to the test. You ready for it? Trust during the test. Trust God during the test. Not just when you're being blessed. Not just when things are going well. Trust God in the middle of the storm. Praise him in the storm. Trust him. Obey him. Be obedient to him. Right in the middle of the test. When, when Abraham was tested for decades, it resulted in a blessing of Isaac. But then after that, he had another test. But because he handled that test well, generations of people were impacted in a positive way. Are you, are you able to trust God during the test? Because if you pass the test, you will be blessed. Other people will be blessed. So there's three points if you've caught them this morning. Here's a recap of what we talked about this morning. Number one, God will test and God will bless. You can be certain of that and sure of that. As, as much as the sun rises and the sun sets, he's going to test you and he's going to bless you. Point number two, others will be blessed when you pass the test. Not just you being blessed, other people around you will be blessed as well. So that leads to the question, how do you pass the test? You trust God in the test. Trust him no matter what you're going through. Even if it's dark, even if it's hard, even if it's difficult, trust him.
Trust him in the middle of the storm. Praise him in the storm. Trust him. Be obedient to him. Honor him and follow after him no matter what is coming your direction. Because if you pass the test, friends, you will be blessed.